0: On Front Page with me this morning, Zurairi A.R., Assistant News Editor at Malay Mail and Azamwan Hashim, Researcher at Ideas. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey,
1: good morning, everyone.
0: All right, let's take a look at these headlines. Now, um, from next year onwards, new appointments in the civil service will no longer be made permanent and pension schemes will be replaced with an improved contractual scheme. I guess this new scheme will save Malaysia approximately 5 billion ringgit a year. However, contractual staff, you know, rarely get good benefits. So how will this affect us, knowing that um, most of us would actually prefer job security? Mm. Azam, your thoughts?
2: The assumption here is that the reduction in benefits uh, in terms of job security and the guarantee of a permanent job will reduce people's demand to work in the civil service. To a certain degree, it's indeed one aspect that determines people's willingness to work in the civil service. It's quite an attractive benefit to have, uh, you know, pension schemes. but. Mm. There are many other determinants to why someone chooses to pursue that type of work. For example, for the reputable job experience, competitive pay, uh, or they may be eager to contribute to government efforts. So it's important to note that this is the government's effort to reform the public service, which over the years has not... Seen much reform mm-hmm. and has proven to be incredibly expensive for the government.
0: Yeah, and also to you know weed out the driftwood, right? Correct, uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, when, exactly?
1: yeah. When you say contractual stuff, rarely gets good benefit. It's all relative, you know. They rarely get good benefits compared to when you get the pensions, of course. But when you think about how contractual stuff in civil service, they are already much more beneficial than say in private sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is already attractive. But I think what we're what we are seeing right now is uh, is a consequence of an age. Population and at the same time, there are allegations that our public uh, or civil service uh, is bloated uh, that we yeah. need to cut down. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this may provide an impetus for the government to actually move towards in that direction.
0: All right. Do you think this will affect queues at public departments? No. Do you think <laughs> <laughs> it will be attractive enough mm. for the young, you know, future <laughs> incoming civil servants mm. uh, nah, to want to I apply for these jobs?
1: I, This is my personal opinion I think what the civil service Has is a problem of uh, Expectations I guess People are not so mad That they have to wait because waiting is just a part of life. But but it irks the public when you are waiting because when you when you see eight counters but only one is open and that is mm-hmm. that is annoying.
0: Or and having a civil service that is actually doing their job uh, during office hours. Like. Or or
1: even uh, it's it's so much about doing your job. Is doing the job more efficiently. Mm-hmm. I think we have to make yes. that point clear that uh, it's it's not it's not just having the civil service but it's having a competent. It's having an efficient civil service. Yes, mm-hmm. and
0: walk faster lah when you you know <laughs> going to photocopies. And and look, um
2: (laughs) I I think people will always be looking for jobs. I mean, clearly the situation right now in Malaysia is that there is not a shortage of labor. Uh, It's important to point out that there is no longer that incentive to work for the government agencies because it means that you have indefinite and unlimited job security. Mm -hmm. So instead of seeking civil service employment for the sake of benefits, this reform may potentially bring out those applicants who are willing to work because it's their ambition or it's their passion to To be in the civil service.
0: All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at how our EPF investments may be affected with giant store closures. That's up next here on Light on front page with me this morning, Azam Wan researcher at Ideas, also Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at the Malay Mail. The recent closure of giant stores in the country has brought into question the fate of investment assets owned by the employees' provident fund that are leased out to the retailer. I guess a lot of us Malaysians are worried about our EPF. How will this move affect our contributions uh, to EPF?
2: I think on a grander scale, I don't think these developments would change the contribution rate by much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the participation rate, which is those who have EPF, is only about 15 million out of the total 31 million people in Malaysia. Individually, I don't see why this would affect your contributions to EPF scheme. I mean, I don't think people consider EPF's investment plan when they consider how much of their paycheck
1: goes to
0: EPF. Mm -hmm. And I suppose uh, what I mean is dividends. How will this affect our dividends?
1: Not not much because uh, I think based on first quarter announcement by EPF, Mm -hmm. I think Real estate, because this is real estate, right? I mean, yes. it, it's such a minuscule amount from the total investment portfolio of the EPF. Uh, I think equities makes up almost half. And overall, investment in real estate is just probably 10% out of the the, the value. is just 10% out of the equities, which means uh, real estate probably contributes around just 5% mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the total investment. So I think, and even even in real estate, this is just one investment mm-hmm. compared to all the other investment in real estate that the EPF has. And uh, it, it, it's not like these retail
2: outlets uh, like buildings and shoplots which are closing down. It, it's not like they're dead assets. You know, mm. it, It's not like the value went to zero completely. EPF still has the land and the building assets available to renew and relet uh, the space to other leasers.
1: Mm. Yeah, just for clarification, the equities investment is just uh, ten billion, hundred mm. billion, not too much. Like. <laughs>
0: All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at um, e-hailing drivers. According to our transport minister, there will be no more extensions for drivers to get their PSV permit. That's next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Zurairi A.R. from Malay Mail and Azam Wan Hashim from Ideas. And it looks like the government will not be extending the grace period for e-hailing drivers to get their public services vehicle, a PSV license, before the October 12 deadline. Um, are there enough licensing centers to keep up with the number of e-hailing drivers who are applying for the PSV license?
2: Well, there are 227 driving schools. Yeah. And five e-hailing operators that have been accredited by the road transport department. Now, 227 may seem like a small number compared to the total 200,000 e-hailing drivers out there. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that there was a three-month extension since the last time deadline. So going further than that, the e-hailing operators also hold classes to obtain the license. Uh, and I think given the time extension and given that there are hundreds of locations to do the classes, there shouldn't be a reason why we would see a situation where a majority of e-hailing drivers don't have a license.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, but how Malaysians love to wait to the last <laughs> minute. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I don't think it's, uh, it's so much a problem of capacity. Mm. Because, yeah, uh, There are uh, 200 over classes and they can, I think uh, Transport Minister uh, Anthony Lok said that each uh, school or institution can take up to like 50 uh, drivers. Per day, so oh. that's like 10,000 per day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, more, more than enough time and day. I mean, three months, uh, you minus all the weekends and the public, all day is still uh, a lot of time for all of the uh, unregistered e healing drivers. I, I think he also said uh, there were like around 80,000 people that applied, but only 50 plus Best. thousand passed. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. it's, it's not so much about uh, capacity, but also mm-hmm. whether you are qualified uh, to get a, such a license and also whether you can afford to. Yeah, yeah, to
0: apply for it. Now, have you seen the uh, test or the, you know, the <laughs> process? I mean, is it that difficult if only 50,000 managed to get the permit?
1: I'm not sure, but it should be hard. I mean, yes, it's correct. not something that we should take likely, lightly. No. I mean, as in all our mm-hmm. driver's license, but I'm not sure myself. I haven't, but I, I've, I've only looked at you know how much it costs. I think personally, it is prohibitive enough that if you are already uh, driving, you, you might have that sort of like a uh, drive to actually take the test. But if you're just jumping into it, it may seem a bit prohibitive rather than before this, when you don't have any requirement for RPS with mm. lessons.
0: Okay, when we come back, uh, we'll take a look at the National fiberization Plan. According to MCMC, it's not a mega project. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me, I've got Zurairi A.R. from the Malay Mail and Azam Wan Hashim from Ideas. Now, MCMC says the NFCP, which is the National Fiberization Plan, announced on August 28th is actually a much needed and important plan that sets out strategies, targets and action items that would ensure the availability of a robust, pervasive, high quality and affordable digital connectivity for the the country. What does the NFCP mean? Mean for us malaysians i mean hopefully
2: it means the availability <laughs> of high quality and affordable digital connectivity for the country mm-hmm. i guess it'll be a step in the right direction towards improving the digital connectivity ready for future industry 4.0 for example mm-hmm. but fiber optics is not a new technology so in a way we are still playing a catch-up game mm-hmm. uh, i think to be a leader in technology we have to go even further than catching up and matching the best. The MCMC has said that the plan will also aim to remove barriers to deployment, uh, optimize the use of new technologies, improving competition in the industry, and also promoting infrastructure sharing. So I hope that these policies will be executed effectively to facilitate further innovation and technology adoption. All right. (laughs)
1: Basically what it means is you get faster internet, and by that I mean much faster internet. Mm. I think Mm -hmm. part of the uh, goal is to have an average of 30 megabit per second for 98% uh, of yeah. the areas and country, and in some places such as urban areas or the capitals, you can get like f- up to five hundred. That's that's not crazy by the world standard, but it's still crazy by. Our current standard right now I mean, mm. we, we deserve much more And w- w- what it means is that You can, uh, like you said you, know, you can help with your digital businesses You can help with all your industries And so, yeah There's a lot of uh, potential all out right. there Alright
0: mm. I mean, there were viral allegations That the cost uh, has increased From one billion billion to twenty one point billion First of all Is this true, these viral alle- allegations? And and if it is I mean, how does this potentially affect Our broadband yeah, crisis? It's,
1: it's pretty much a misinterpretation 1 billion was uh, just the amount... Initially announced in budget this year's budget, which means just one billion just for this year mm. to kickstart. Mm. Uh, and whereas the 21 uh, billion is over the period of, I guess, five years, right? Uh, yeah, so it's totally reasonable to make that assumption, but yeah, it's tot- I, for, for me, I, th- I find that. Mm totally wrong
2: Mm. I think their uh, priorities are important which is to fund infrastructure
1: projects that support the targets Uh, Exactly I mean uh, 21 billion when it comes to infrastructure I mean you should see that as a big amount I mean it's important Mm. Yeah it's it's something that spending is needed
2: But at the same time you know ideas uh, our past research has shown that uh, government initiatives like this which allocate funds to contractual deals uh, they often don't have a public release of like an economic feasibility assessment that's true uh, I think it's important for this project that the government release the appropriate reports to avoid these so-called allegations right. and yeah. have people keep guessing. Yeah, we just need more transparency. Correct.
0: Indeed. Well, coming up, the Ministry of Transport is looking at new ways to curb road tax renewal leakages. That's next here on Light. And uh, on front page with me this morning, Azamwan Hashem, researcher at Ideas, also Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at the Malay Mail. Now, the Road Transport Department has revealed that leakages in revenue collection from road tax renewals have exceeded 50 million ringgit from January to August. Uh, more than 50% of renewals in Sabah, Sarawah, Labuan and Langkawi are involved um, in vehicle registered and used outside of uh, the area. So uh, why were there no stringent Regulations prior to this.
2: I think in this case we are unfortunately forced into a situation that requires treatment post diagnosis rather than uh, preventative
1: mm-hmm.
2: actions taken prior. Uh, people were renewing the road taxes outside of their registration area for a variety of reasons, uh, I'm sure, but this was causing leakages. I think the preventative measures and regulations set in place prior to this may have had capacitive issues with tracking and enforcement, and I think uh, this might have something to do with how siloed and separated government agencies are, but uh, the adoption of an ICT system to address these common issues...
1: It's a welcome sight, definitely mm, All right. Uh, no, yeah, I, mean, I think I think it was just a case of Malaysians being crafty And mm.
0: and this is the reason why people are registering their cars in Sabah, Sarawak, Labuan and Langkawi
1: It's not so much about registering I think in these cases, they so are renewing, renewing yeah, their road renewing. taxes in those uh, states Especially for Langkawi and Labuan because they are duty-free areas And of course Sabah, Sarawak because it's uh, East Malaysia How
0: will this affect cars that get their road taxes renewed in these areas? Langkawi, Labuan, Sabah and Sarawak but are based in the peninsula.
1: I mean, besides, they have to actually pay their <laughs> actual amount. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think uh, the, the more important question is how would it affect cars that are already in these areas? Because they are the ones that are actually renewing their road taxes mm. in post offices. I, I think for the most, because uh, I think if I'm not mistaken this this new ruling only affects cars that are above uh, 2000cc so your, your average Saga, Persona might be shouldn't be affected at all right. you can still renew in uh, post post-office. offices but I think uh, it is perhaps a concern for People in Sabah and Sarawak because a lot of them uh, uses uh, pickup trucks, SUVs because mm-hmm. of the terrain there. Uh, so they are the ones that would be affected by mm-hmm. this uh, ruling because they are the ones that have to renew their road taxes at post offices. So I guess, of course, uh, we need more stringent. But I, I, I think we have to, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's true. These are some
2: pretty difficult questions I mean, and issues that yeah. the government has to take into consideration when they find a reform tax system for.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this morning on front page.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, pleasure having. You.
0: And that was Zurairi AR from the Malay Mail and Azamon Hashim from Ideas.